What are those goals that you have for yourself, for your life? What are the things that are really important to you? Are you achieving them? If not, why? Well, I just don't have the motivation, Joe. I'm really excited about achieving this goal, whether it's to lose weight, go back to school, get involved in your church, whatever it is, write that book. But what prevents you from actually achieving the goals? Is there a way to achieve that I can do it, I will do it philosophy? Is it just about motivation? And how do you actually get motivated? Yeah, you might get excited about some goal, whether it's to lose weight January 1st. Why everyone wants to lose weight January 1st, I don't know. (laughs) But whatever it is you want to do, why are you not doing it? Well, sometimes it does come down to motivation. Now, there's actually research that suggests that motivation determines the number and difficulty of obstacles that you face. So what does that actually mean? If you're really motivated... Does it mean you're going to face more obstacles? Perhaps. But there's also study that says, well, there's two kinds of motivation. And here's where it gets really important. Because if you're pursuing a goal, why you're doing what you're doing, how you're speaking about it, will actually allow you to overcome those many or those few obstacles necessary to achieve the goal. And basically, it comes down to, I want to, or I have to. And what's the big difference between wanting something and having to do something? Maybe you went to the doctor and said, hey, you've got to lose weight. Oh, I have to lose weight. Okay, I'll quit eating. But will you? Maybe, maybe not. See, you might assume that based on the number of goals that you're facing, it might take a toll on your motivation. But that's not actually the truth. The truth is, if you're going to do anything that you feel is important, you might face all sorts of obstacles, but those obstacles won't necessarily put a dent in your motivation to achieve if your motivation is correct. It's actually your motivation that determines the number and difficulty of obstacles you face. Now, again, what does that mean? Wait, Joe, I'm really motivated. That's saying that I'm going to face a lot of obstacles? Entirely true. (laughs) Well, maybe I don't want to do this. But what if I told you it's actually fine? There is actually opportunity for you to achieve great things in your life, and you can overcome the obstacles. Now, I want to begin by speaking about Scripture, Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, he said, he's talking about empty promises. And he said, look, don't say anything that you don't mean. And I think this is the beginning of the conversation that you've got to have with yourself. The truthful conversation. Because you might say to yourself, yeah, I want to go back to school. Yeah, I want to find a new girlfriend. Yeah, I want to improve my marriage. Yeah, I want to get a better job. But do you really mean it? Or are these just empty promises, not only that you're telling to others, but perhaps more importantly, are these lies that you're telling to yourself? Jesus goes on and he said, you only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk. Oh, I'll pray for you and never do it. Oh, God be with you and not meaning it. He said, you don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. He said, you don't make your speech sound more religious. It doesn't just become more true. 
He said, just say yes and no. He said, when you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. And I think how you speak about motivation, how you speak about achieving goals really matters. Now, I want to suggest this as a Christian because there are times that you say, wow, why am I really doing this? Why am I actually laying myself out? Why am I putting so much work just for the boss man, (laughs) just so that he can get rich? Well, I want to remind you that no matter who you're working for, you're really working for God. Whether you work for Mobile Exxon, whether you work for some restaurant, whether you work for an insurance company, whether you're a cop or a teacher or a fireman, this is what Paul says in Ephesians. He said, servants, which is about the crappiest job you could ever hope to achieve. (laughs) Servants, respectfully obey your earthly masters, but keep an eye on obeying the real master. Don't just do what you have to do to get by. But work hardly as Christ's servants doing what God wants you to do and work with a smile on your face. Now, again, this comes down to motivation. I want to suggest if you're not actually achieving the goals that you want and you're looking at motivation, how are you going about doing what you're doing? Are you working with a smile on your face? What would determine whether or not you're smiling while you're working? Again, it goes back to what I originally said. Is this something you have to do or something you want to do? Now, think about the smile as a figurative thing. It's not that you constantly have to be smiling if you're doing something difficult. But that internal sense of joy, right, that's motivation. You're not going to have that sense of joy, that that sense of inspiration if you're thinking, I have to do this. But if it's something that you really want to do, that changes motivation completely. And I'm going to speak more of that about that in just a second. But again, Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 5, and I'm just paraphrasing, chapter 6 actually. He said again, work with a smile on your face, keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. Good work will get you good pay from God, regardless of whether you're a slave or free. So again, whatever it is that you are doing in your life, I want you to consider that your real boss, the person you're really trying to glorify, is God himself. So when you're pursuing a goal and trying to change behavior, again, let's say you're overweight. Let's just stay, say, stay with a simple example. Oh, I've got to lose 30 pounds. The doctor said, I have to. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's going to give you a lot of motivation. It might for a while. It certainly won't get you excited. It won't make achieving that goal any easier if you're just thinking, I have to do it. But again, even if you have that, oh, I have to do it, that isn't necessarily going to translate into action. Just feeling like I've got to do something isn't going to translate into action. Because there's always temptation when you're trying to obtain a goal. And the temptation is the obstacle. Oh, wow, I really want to write this paper for my college professor. Oh, but darn the luck, my favorite show is on TV. I've got to see who gets kicked off the island. (laughs) Well, you could consider that as an obstacle. So how do you get beyond that? Again, if you're trying to lose weight, junk food is the obstacle. 
right? If you're trying to stay focused, maybe your cell phone is the obstacle. So how do you actually get motivated? Again, go back to those original questions. Is this something that you have to do or is this something that you want to do? It seems like a simple reframing of the question. I have to do this or I want to do this, but it actually makes all the difference in the world. Again, going back to scripture, because all of this have to, want to applies to your faith life. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, he said, don't allow yourselves to get fatigued in doing good because at the right time you're going to harvest a good crop if you don't give up or quit. Now, how do you not give up? How do you keep yourself from quitting? Again, it has to do with motivation. It has to do with that I want to mentality, keeping in mind who you're actually serving, no matter what you're doing, no matter what your goal. If you turn it around and say, Lord, I'm doing this to glorify you, even if it's to make your body healthier or to go back to school, taking those gifts that you've been given and applying them and using them for the glory of God. Now, again, Paul goes on in Galatians 6. He said, right now, therefore, every time you get a chance, work for the benefit of all. So that mission territory, the motivation, especially when you're considering, oh, I've got to work for the benefit of all? Well, that's no simple, small task. No, it's not. So why you do it again matters a lot. See, you must consider your willingness to confront and possibly reframe obstacles as you consider your goals. Now, again, going back to goals, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians this time. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he says, oh, yeah, I was going to come visit you after passing through Northern Grace, et cetera, et cetera. I won't be staying long, but maybe I can stay for a while. But then he says the really important thing. He said, for the present, I'm staying right here in Ephesus, a huge door of opportunity for good work has opened up here. There is also mushrooming opposition. So every opportunity in your life, whether it's your spiritual life, and I want to suggest pretty much everything that you do has to include the spirit right? You don't have just, oh, this is my secular life, and this is how I act on Mondays through Saturdays. Oh, and this is my spiritual life. This is how I act on Sunday. No, this is your God-given life, the way you are to act, the way you are to believe, your motivation supported by your faith every single day, every single moment of life. And every time you look at an opportunity, or you look at a goal, you've got to consider that there's also going to be opposition preventing you from achieving that goal. But again, it's even a little bit more complicated because obstacles and the difficulty of overcoming obstacles can be perceived differently by different people. There are different people who just say, wow, I've got all this motivation, I've got this strength, I've got this desire. And all of that is going to play into their perception and relationship toward obstacles. Now, how do you actually change that? I want to say that rather than looking at something and saying, wow, that's an obstacle, I want you to exchange that word obstacle with another O word, opportunity. Every obstacle is an opportunity for you to grow. 
Now, going back to the I want to versus I have to motivation, because that I want to motivation actually is that internal motivation. That's something deep inside. It's something that's representative or important to you, and it makes life interesting, or it fits in with your values. I want to be loving. Why do you want to be loving? Well, as a Christian, you want to be loving because God commands you to be. He said, I want you to love. I want you to love yourself. I want you to love others because you have been loved. And love, more than anything else, is going to determine your success, your godly success, I would say, in life. You don't want to say, oh, I have to love my spouse. Honey, I'll love you. Why? I have to. (laughs) Ah, leave. But I want to love you because I want to love as I have been loved. Again, that's different than, oh, I have to do that. Now, you can look at the same job and your motivation can change. You can say, oh, it's Monday. I have to go to work. Not very exciting. That's not going to make you jump out of bed. Oh, boy, I have to go to work. I have to go to work. Where's my coffee? I don't need coffee. I'll just get in my car and drive to work. (laughs) But if you say, I want to go to work, now, rightly, you might say, Joe, what do you mean, I want to go to work? I don't know that I want to. Really? Do you want to be known as a slovenly servant? Do you want to be known as lazy? Or do you want to be known as one who takes care of your obligations? who takes care of your family, who's contributing to society, who is given this opportunity to make money, to save money, to maybe contribute to other people so that their lives can be better. So you can take any job and say, well, is this something I have to do? Or can I somehow twist it, make it into something that I want to do? And this isn't about playing a mind trick. Yes, it is about changing your perception of what you're doing. But that want-to motivation actually helps you to set aside the temptations during the difficult periods of your life. Want-to motivation, right? Actually, when you're pursuing that thing that's interesting to you, what you do is you set aside the obstacles. You set aside the temptations, Because if your real goal is, I want to write this paper, you're going to be more inclined to set aside the phone, to set aside, to turn off the TV. But if you say, oh, I have to write this paper, I'll just scroll uh, Instagram here while I do that, you're going to lose motivation. You're less likely to achieve that goal. Now, as you consider want to versus have to, I want you to think about what God might be asking of you as you listen to this, as you listen to what Jesus said to Peter. Now, you can insert your own name in here. Jesus gets up, and this is after he had been crucified and resurrected, and he was having a conversation with Peter. Now, Jesus has been crucified, he has been resurrected, And he probably wants to have a conversation with you, but how would you respond? So Jesus says, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Oh, yes, master, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. 
He then asks him a second time, Oh, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. Shepherd my sheep. Then he says it a third time, Do you love me? Peter gets upset and he said, What do you mean? You know everything there is to know. You know I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus says. Now, here's where you've got to consider God calling you and your motivation and why you're doing what you're doing. Oh, God says I have to do it. I guess I have to do it. Or I want to do it. Because here's what Jesus said to Peter. I'm telling you now. When you were young, you dressed yourself, you went wherever you wished. But when you get old, you're going to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. Jesus was hinting at the kind of death Peter would glorify God. And then Jesus said, follow me. And Jesus asks you, follow me. But what is your motivation to live out this God life. I have to, or I want to. Because the obstacle, if you want to look at it as obstacle, might be, oh, I have to hang on the cross all of my wants, all of my desires, all my life, as I hoped it would be. But remember, Peter was glorifying God by sacrificing his life, by living out his life. See, The pursuit of a goal may be something that you have to do or it's more likely to be achievable if you say, it's, I want to do this. You will set aside those distractions. You will set aside or reframe the obstacles as opportunities. And remember, what stands between you and achieving that goal, you might say, well, it's temptation. I want to lose weight, but there were those donuts. <laughs> well, no test or temptation, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you have to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He will always be there to help you come through it. What are the goals that you have in your life. Do you want to do these things or do you have to do these things? How do you actually make it doable? Again, when you think about these tasks, when you think about those goals and you think about how it fits into your values and your identity, then you can reframe that goal as, I want to do this, no matter what the goal is. I want to be a good worker. I want to be known down at the factory as the guy who works the hardest. I want to be known as the one who works with integrity. I want to be known as the one who is selfless. Those are want-to goals. And again, when you think about your identity, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, he said, grow up because you are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously because that is how God lives towards you. There are serious implications when you say, yes, God, I want to live the way you are calling me to do. I want to achieve this goal. 
Because what God might be asking you to do could be something incredibly difficult. Because God, for instance, says, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to help and give without expecting a return. Now remember, you're serving God. And because you're doing that, he can also promise that you will never regret it. But God is calling you to live out this God-created identity. What are the goals in your life? How do you actually find that motivation to achieve the goals? How can you reframe it so you can say, I want to do this? You know, if you're just pursuing a goal for half two reasons, you're more likely to struggle with the goals. You're more likely to succumb to the temptations. You're more likely or less likely to overcome those obstacles. But if you look at them and say, this is an opportunity to become more, to grow. Remember, this is absolutely the call. Whatever gifts, whatever talents God has given you, you have an expectation to use them. God wants you to use them. Not like, oh, I guess I got to do this. No, I want to do this. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about the parable of the talents. And he gave one servant 5,000, one gave, gave 2,000, one 1,000. In other words, just some he gave a lot, some a medium amount, some a small amount. And the guy who was given very little said, oh, I know you have high standards, hate careless ways. And you demand the best. That's right. Remember, God is demanding the best. But that servant said, oh, I was afraid. He said, I was afraid I'd disappoint you. So I just hid away this talent. Here you go. You can have it back. And Jesus said to him, that servant, and he says to you, no, I gave you talents with the goal, with the opportunity to actually achieve wonderful things in your life. What are the things that you really want, not have to do, but want to do? God has given you this great opportunity, this tremendous gift called life. And again, Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, he said, Servants, and again, that's about the worst job that you can have, but maybe you feel like a servant. How do you actually work for your real master? Don't just do the minimum, Paul says. That'll get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in, keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up for bad work. What do you really want? I will meet you back on the road. And remember, always forward. <laughs>